Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Saturday, July 16th. Shabbat Shalom! Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit. As it is written in Romans 10.17, So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken Word of God, it is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The Word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we finish up the Torah portion, Balak. Numbers 25, 1-9 While the Israelites were camped at Acacia Grove, some of the men defiled themselves by having sexual relations with local Moabite women. These women invited them to attend sacrifices to their gods, so the Israelites feasted with them and worshipped the gods of Moab. In this way Israel joined in the worship of Baal of Peor, causing the Lord's anger to blaze against his people. The Lord issued the following command to Moses, Seize all the ringleaders and execute them before the Lord in broad daylight, so his fierce anger will turn away from the people of Israel. So Moses ordered Israel's judges, Each of you must put to death the men under your authority who have joined in worshipping Baal of Peor. Just then, one of the Israelite men brought a Midianite woman into his tent, right before the eyes of Moses and all the people, as everyone was weeping at the entrance of the tabernacle. When Phinehas, son of Eleazar, and grandson of Aaron the priest saw this, he jumped up and left the assembly. He took a spear and rushed after the man into his tent. Phinehas thrust the spear all the way through the man's body and into the woman's stomach. 
So the plague against the Israelites was stopped, but not before 24,000 people had died. First Chronicles 22, 1-23-32 Then David said, This will be the location for the temple of the Lord God and the place of the altar for Israel's burnt offerings. So David gave orders to call together the foreigners living in the land of Israel, and he assigned them the task of preparing finished stone for building the temple of God. David provided large amounts of iron for the nails that would be needed for the doors and the gates and for the clamps, and he gave more bronze than could be weighed. He also provided innumerable cedar logs, for the men of Tyre and Sidon had brought vast amounts of cedar to David. David said, My son Solomon is still young and inexperienced. And since the temple to be built for the Lord must be a magnificent structure, famous and glorious throughout the world, I will begin making preparations for it now. So David collected vast amounts of building materials before his death. Then David sent for his son Solomon and instructed him to build a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel. My son, I wanted to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord my God. David told him, But the Lord said to me, You have killed many men in the battles you have fought, and since you have shed so much blood in my sight, you will not be the one to build a temple to honor my name, but you will have a son who will be a man of peace. I will give him peace with his enemies and all the surrounding lands. His name will be Solomon, and I will give peace and quiet to Israel during his reign. He is the one who will build a temple to honor my name. He will be my son, and I will be his father, and I will secure the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, may the Lord be with you and give you success as you follow his directions in building the temple of the Lord your God. And may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding that you may obey the Torah of the Lord your God as you rule over Israel. For you will be successful if you carefully obey the decrees and regulations that the Lord gave to Israel through Moses. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or lose heart. I have worked hard to provide materials for building the temple of the Lord. Nearly 4,000 tons of gold, 40,000 tons of silver, and so much iron and bronze that it cannot be weighed. I have also gathered timber and stone for the walls, though you may need to add more. You have a large number of skilled stonemasons and carpenters and craftsmen of every kind. You have expert goldsmiths and silversmiths and workers of bronze and iron. Now begin the work, and may the Lord be with you. Then David ordered all the leaders of Israel to assist Solomon in this project. The Lord your God is with you, he declared. He has given you peace with the surrounding nations. He has handed them over to me, and they are now subject to the Lord and his people. Now seek the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, 
Build the sanctuary of the Lord God so that you can bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and the holy vessels of God into the temple built to honor the Lord's name. When David was an old man, he appointed his son Solomon to be king over Israel. David summoned all the leaders of Israel together with the priests and Levites. All the Levites who were thirty years old or older were counted and the total came to 38,000. Then David said, From all the Levites, 24,000 will supervise the work at the temple of the Lord. Another 6,000 will serve as officials and judges. Another 4,000 will work as gatekeepers, and 4,000 will praise the Lord with musical instruments I have made. Then David divided the Levites into divisions named after the clans descended from the three sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. The Gershonite family units were defined by their lines of descent from Libni and Shimei, the sons of Gershon. Three of the descendants of Libni were Jehiel, the family leader, Zetham, and Joel. These were the leaders of the family of Libni. Three of the descendants of Shimei were Shelemoth, Haziel, and Haran. Four other descendants of Shimei were Jehath, Ziza, Jeush, and Bariah. Jehath was the family leader, and Ziza was next. Jeush and Bariah were counted as a single family, because neither had many sons. Four of the descendants of Kohath were Amram, Izhar, Hebron, and Uziel. The sons of Amran were Aaron and Moses. Aaron and his descendants were set apart to dedicate the most holy things, to offer sacrifices in the Lord's presence, to serve the Lord, and to pronounce blessings in his name forever. As for Moses, the man of God, his sons were included with the tribe of Levi. The sons of Moses were Gershom, and Eliezer. The descendants of Gershom included Shebuel, the family leader. Eliezer had only one son, Rehabiah, the family leader. Rehabiah had numerous descendants. The descendants of Izhar included Shelemith, the family leader. The descendants of Hebron included Jeriah, the family leader, Amariah the second, Jehaziel the third, and Jechamim the fourth. The descendants of Uziel included Micah, the family leader, and Ishia, the second. The descendants of Merari included Mali and Mushi. The sons of Mali were Eleazar and Kish. Eleazar died with no sons, only daughters. His daughters married their cousins, the sons of Kish. Three of the descendants of Mushi were Mali, Eder, and Jeremoth. These were the descendants of Levi by clans, the leaders of their family groups registered carefully by name. Each had to be twenty years old or older to qualify for service in the house of the Lord. For David said, The Lord, the God of Israel, has given us peace, and he will always live in Jerusalem. Now the Levites will no longer need to carry the tabernacle and its furnishings from place to place. In accordance with David's final instructions, all the Levites, twenty years old or older, were registered for service. The work of the Levites was to assist the priests, 
the descendants of Aaron, as they served at the house of the Lord. They also took care of the courtyards and side rooms, helped perform the ceremonies of purification, and served in many other ways in the house of God. They were in charge of the sacred bread that was set out on the table, the choice flour for the grain offerings, the wafers made without yeast, the cakes cooked in olive oil, and the other mixed breads. They were also responsible to check all the weights and measures, and each morning and evening they stood before the Lord to sing songs of thanks and praise to Him. They assisted with the burnt offerings that were presented to the Lord on Sabbath days, at new moon celebrations, and at all the appointed festivals. The required number of Levites served in the Lord's presence at all times, following all the procedures they had been given. And so, under the supervision of the priests, the Levites watched over the tabernacle and the temple, and faithfully carried out their duties of service at the house of the Lord. Romans 3, 9-31 Well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all, for we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scriptures say, No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Obviously, the Torah applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Yeshua. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Yeshua, when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Yeshua as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Yeshua sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when He held back, and He did not punish those who sinned in times past. For He was looking ahead and including them in what He would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate His righteousness, for He Himself is fair and just, and He makes sinners right in His sight when they believe in Yeshua. Can we boast, then, 
that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law, the Torah? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the Torah. Psalm 12, 1-8 Help, O Lord, for the godly are fast disappearing. The faithful have vanished from the earth. Neighbors lie to each other, speaking with flattering lips and deceitful hearts. May the Lord cut off their flattering lips and silence their boastful tongues. They say, We will lie to our heart's content. Our lips are our own. Who can stop us? The Lord replies, I have seen violence done to the helpless, and I have heard the groans of the poor. Now I will rise up to rescue them, as they have longed for me to do. The Lord's promises are pure, like silver refined in a furnace. Purified seven times over. Therefore, Lord, we know you will protect the oppressed, preserving them forever from this lying generation, even though the wicked strut about and evil is praised throughout the land. Proverbs 19, 13 and 14 A foolish child is a calamity to a father. A quarrelsome wife is as annoying as constant dripping. Fathers can give their sons an inheritance of houses and wealth, but only the Lord can give an understanding wife. I'd like to speak to you today from our reading from Romans chapter 3. And in this chapter, Paul does a masterful job of explaining what the role and the purpose of the Torah, or the law, is. Let's begin with verse 20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the Torah or the law commands. The law or the Torah simply shows us how sinful we are. So when we read the word, the Torah, when I say Torah, let me define my words. I'm not just talking about the first five books of the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures. When I say the Torah... I mean the whole Bible, all of it from Genesis to Revelation. He's saying that no one can be made right with God by doing what the law or the Torah commands us. That the Torah simply shows us how sinful we are. So in a way, it's like looking in a mirror. And when we look in the mirror, we see that we have dirt on our face. So the Torah is the mirror, and it shows us our sin. So what is the solution? He goes on to say in verse 22, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Yeshua. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, whether you're Jewish 
or non-Jewish. Okay, so this is true. This is a fundamental foundation stone that we must stand on. We are made right with God by putting our faith in Yeshua HaMashiach. Okay, so the mainstream Christian church believes this. So what's the issue? The issue is that what has happened in the mainstream Christian church in many, many denominations over the centuries is that they have said, therefore, the Torah, the law, the Old Testament has been done away with. I'm no longer under the law. I'm no longer under the Torah. Yeshua nailed the law, the Torah, to the cross. And now I just follow the Holy Spirit. I'm saved by grace. This is fundamentally flawed. It is absolutely wrong, and it is a doctrine from hell. What that doctrine is called is replacement theology. And with that kind of thinking, it was that kind of thinking that gave us the Holocaust. And so the fruits of replacement theology are very, very evil fruits. So Paul concludes at the end of this section that we read from. He says this, After all, God is the God of the Jews. Is he the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the Torah or the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. So what Paul is saying here is, once we have faith in Yeshua, do we discard the Torah, the law, the Old Testament? And he's saying, absolutely not. Once we have faith in Christ and we are dwelt with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit now lives within us. Now we are empowered to follow the Torah. Now we can keep it by faith. And without being born again, without faith, if we're following the Torah in our flesh, in our own efforts, we will fall and we will fail every time. But it's something we have to be reminded of, that we began in faith and we are to continue in faith. Sometimes there may be things that God calls us to do that seem impossible. He may give us a task or an assignment that seems impossible. I can't do this, Lord. And yet, he calls us to walk in faith and to trust in Yeshua, and that the Spirit of Yeshua dwelling within us will empower us to accomplish what seems impossible, because it is Yeshua who is dwelling within us. So let's just come back to what Paul is saying here in Romans chapter 3. And in verse 26, it is saying the following. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Yeshua. So, especially if you've been in Hebrew roots or the Messianic movement for very long, it's easy to forget about this fundamental truth, 
We began in faith and we continue in faith, day by day by day, in our walk. And yes, as a disciple of Yeshua, we're to walk as he walked. And he kept the Sabbath, he kept the feast, he followed the Torah, he ate clean, biblically clean food. Um, so we're to walk as he walked, but we do it in faith, and it's the Holy Spirit dwelling within us that empowers us to be able to keep the Torah, to keep the commands of God. And why do we do it? Not out of a duty, a religious religiosity or a duty. We do it out of love. We do it because we love Yeshua and we want to please him. That's all I have for today. Have a blessed day and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>